like snack delivery place that I recently ordered from. And I'm like, I want to deliver snacks. So like, <laughs> I might start delivering snacks on the side. Hi, welcome to Art Gab. I'm Kendra. Hi, I'm Ashley. <laughs> and today, um, artist Zach Mori is our guest. Zach Morey comes from the small town of Cottage Grove, Wisconsin, a few miles southeast of Madison, Wisconsin. Initially trained as a life drawer, his work slowly turned towards the abstract and non-objective possibilities of art making at, as his undergraduate schooling continued at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. In the spring of 2008, he received his MFA from UW-Madison with a concentration in drawing. Since his graduation, he has exhibited extensively and taught various courses throughout Wisconsin and Illinois in UW-Madison, Carthage College, Lawrence University, Ripon College, ooh. Wabanzi. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> um, Community College, College of du oh man. DuPage, I really yeah. I, yeah. It's uh, all good. <laughs> I, made up, I made up my own pronunciation for those and it was way off. Um, and most recently at Wheaton Warrenville South High School. He currently lives in Glen Ellen, Illinois with his wife, Melanie, and their beautiful daughters, Josephine and Lila. More information on his work can be found at www.zachmory.com. That's Z-A-C-H-M-O-R-Y.com. Zach Mori, welcome to ArtGab. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> Glad to be here. Ashley, hi. Hi. <laughs> I guess like, okay, so I, brunch hasn't been a thing for me since everything's closed, but today I listened to the original War of the Worlds. <laughs> on um, Brilliant. Yeah. There's this podcast I like. It's called um, Stuff You Should Know, and they kind of covered the history of that and how some people freaked out and took it for absolutely the the original Orson Welles yeah so I was like no I kind of want to go listen to it so then I listened to it and it was it was funny it was like yeah you see there's these things and it's like how did they do that <laughs> simpler <laughs> times but you know honestly in our age of uh, misinformation right now with the stuff that people are believing it doesn't surprise me too much if you really think about it yeah, people are so quick to believe the media. So I did think of that right away. I was like, well, if this was in modern times, we might believe what was told to us right away, too. I don't know. So. Isn't that weird? Because, like, I feel the same way. But at the same time, there's this whole fake news thing, too. Yeah, like, like, which is it, folks? Do you believe the news or not? <laughs> you know, that the aliens, they're going to come down and they're going to take our guns and our Second Amendment rights away. And, you know, it's like... You know, we got to do something about that, you know? <laughs> this, is a, this is a good segue into your current body of work, Zach. <laughs> Absolutely. I have a couple UFOs in there. <laughs> How was your weekend? Do you even remember the weekend now? I feel like by Thursday, I'm like, I don't remember what happened. I don't believe in weekends anymore. I think that everything just blends now since, uh, <laughs> since like all the stay-at-home orders and everyone's working remotely or some are working remotely. Yeah, just weekends aren't what they used to be, I guess. Kind of are yeah. still, I guess. But. Especially you guys with kids. I'm sure it's kind of crazy. Yeah, it is. I I am teaching from home and I have my daughters at home. 
as well. So it is, um, it's a literally a barrel of monkeys um, <laughs> in the other room that I have to maintain while I'm trying to do work too. So lots of fun. That's wild. Yeah. Probably just hung out and watched movies. That's kind of what we've been doing lately, like nonstop movie watching. Yeah. Watch anything good at all? Uh, we watched uh, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs too. Classic. Classic. It was good. It was a good one. Yeah. Well, it was a it was a winner for sure. For sure. It was kind of like um like subtle hints to post apocalyptic or like um mutated I mean it's all about kind of mutated food and I don't know, it's kinda of cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I've fallen in love with like animated movies again since Absolutely. Um, since that's all I could watch, yeah. I know, I know. Like, I have a special place in my heart for Daniel Tiger that unless you don't have kids, you would not have a special place for Daniel Tiger. But if you do have kids, you do have a special place for Daniel Tiger. At least that's that's my philosophy on that subject. <laughs> Ashley, do you watch Daniel Tiger? I have no idea what that is. But again, I don't have kids. So. <laughs> See? It's like it's like this super hipster show. Only the coolest parents really know what it is. So I mean, no, it's it's a it's it's Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood cartoon version, basically. Aww. And it it focuses on Daniel, the striped tiger, and his family. Mm-hmm. It's very cute. Good I'm morals. Check it out. You know, it's funny because I I watch a lot of animated things with Oliver, but when it comes ta- time to like watch adult shows we always go towards like the worst like the most violent the most like sexually charged ones it's like you have to make up for it or something like that i'm like i'm getting my fill right now (laughs) right yep we watched we've been watching fargo lately and ratchet funny i've been i watched the original fargo just the other night Oh, yeah, the movie? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Great movie, don't you know? That accent's not much of a stretch for you, Zach. No, the thing, the thing is, is when I, <laughs> when I get back into Wisconsin, like, in Illinois, I kind of lose the accent a little bit. But um, when I get back into Wisconsin, especially if you get, um, as Bob Euchre likes to say, get, get a couple sandwiches inside of me, sandwiches being a euphemism, um, oh, yeah, the accent just pours right out. And, you know, I start talking like this a little bit and uh, I can't help myself. <laughs> so I I did watch Fargo the movie actually also like a week or two ago, but there's a show. There is. It's um, I haven't seen it, but I've heard it's excellent. Um, what do you think, Kendra? Is it, is it good? I've heard good things about it. Yeah, yeah. Um, first of all, it's set in 1950. So it's just it's just beautiful, like, period like uh the costumes and whatnot but um yeah it's it's got some subtlety it's got some surprises it has chris rock in a like a lead drama role that's cool yeah yeah so it's different i like, I like it yeah 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 i like to see it's nice to see that range and and it, it's you know nice and violent no none of this daniel tiger stuff <laughs> none of those morals <laughs> <laughs> that's really funny no it's good it's good I've been watching uh, Queen's Gambit um, on Netflix. That's pretty good. Speaking of 1950 stuff, I'm not too far into yet. I'm about maybe four episodes into it. Um, it's interesting. I probably did the first. The first thing that everyone does when you watch it is like, "Is this based on a true story?" And I was really surprised that it's not because it, it just it feels like it's a true story. It, it's very strange. You know, it doesn't feel like you're watching a show. Um, it's good. Very good though. I like it. 
Yeah, it's mm-hmm. really good. I, I did the same thing. I'm like, is this real? And then yeah, I, I think everybody did it because it was like the first result on Google. Like, is this based on a true story? So um, it's it's good though. I, I also watched uh, Trial Four on Netflix, which is very good. I, it's kind of like a docudrama about someone that was probably um, set up for murder charges, and it's about the Boston police and the corruption there. It's and it, it gets it gets murky <laughs> with the Boston Police Department. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, we started that one. We're almost done with it, but it is, it's interesting. It just kind of gets worse and worse with the Boston Police Department as it gets closer to the end. And the more you start learning about it, like it's kind of sickening a little bit. Yeah. And then Rick and Morty, lots of Rick and Morty lately. That's classic. Got to watch Rick and Morty. I haven't gotten into that one yet, but I always. Oh, so good. Is it really? Oh my gosh, it's so good. It's so well written. It's so funny. It's so um, unpredictable. Um, it's great. Just great. I wasn't going to say this, but um, have you seen Pin 15, Ashley? Mm-hmm. Oh my God, it is so good. It's like... It's like our age group. So I, a lot of the stuff I remember... Yeah, I think I think Zach, you're the same age, but have you seen this show? I have not. I haven't even heard of it, which is like weird. Usually, I'm kind of in the know with with most of the stuff, but well, do you, do you have a paste, a pen next to you? Yeah, I do. Do I do I have a pencil next to me? Oh my gosh! Of course you do. <laughs> okay, write, write the word pen fifteen. Really Got it. In your arm. Yeah, I'll just tattoo it right in my yeah okay. pen fifteen. Got it. Um, it's, it's just basically, it follows these two girls and I think it's actually based on a true, true. I think it's, I think it's cause it's like the writers are the same, whatever, but, um, but, uh, it's like all their time in middle school and it's just like, like yeah, that's why it's called that. Um, but it's just, it's just, it's just cute and awkward and painful. And it just like brings back all those memories from middle school. Yeah. Do you, do you guys watch, uh, sorry, we're getting on the pop culture thing. Do you guys ever watch Freaks and Geeks, the old school from the early 2000s? Uh, if you, you, you guys haven't seen Freaks and Geeks? No. Oh, yeah, I have. I have, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was really good. Oh, so good. It's like maybe one of my, there's only like one season and then they got, it got canceled. And it was mm-hmm. like literally probably one of the best television. It was probably one of the best seasons of television ever made. Of, yeah. Of, any show it's fantastic and it started like the careers of a lot of really big names yeah so many people well and and i'd say pin 15 is similar but it's like it's it's more painful like it's like it's um it's like painfully awkward like you feel for this thing where um i'm like e it's hard to watch sometimes (laughs) should we get to it let's do this do you want to describe who you are and what you do? Well, I am a, a human being and I um, like to live for a living. Um, no, I, I, um, uh, I, I like to draw. I guess that's the easiest way to sum up like what my practice is about. And I think the reason why I like to draw is, um, you know, when I was younger, that's what I did. And I took off a couple of years in high school from taking art classes. And when I jumped back into it, I kind of skipped over all the painting and all the sculpture and, and I was able to take like the culminating course at my school, which was senior studio. 
And my teacher just let me draw and I didn't know what else to do to make art. So I just kept doing that and it hasn't really changed. So um, my art has always been about drawing in a certain capacity and continues to be like that to this day, though I feel like I've really jumped around quite a bit over the years in terms of what it is I like to do from either non-objective abstraction to more illustrative stuff to now I'm, I'm doing more portraiture right now and it's just I'm really go all around the gamut so to speak in terms of I follow my muse I guess I was really struck by just yeah the the variety of approaches yeah I was gonna say I went on your website today and it was it was fun to like look at all the your drawings and stuff would you say you're mainly you like to use pen, uh, paper pencil is that your main go-to yeah uh paper pencil is is really it I guess just to give a little a little background a little more in-depth background my uncle John my mom's brother he owned a comic distribution company called Capital City Distributions back in the 80s and he was uh he went to UW-Madison also he was a film studies major and this was back when independent comics were really becoming a big thing and he was like right at the forefront of this here in America and they had a bunch of comics that they ran out of Madison like Nexus and Badger which are still like highly revered underground comics, underground-ish comics. Well, he would give us all these comics at Christmas time, and me and my brothers, we would just devour them. Um, we loved them. And this was really where my visual sensibility came from was, um, and he would give us old stuff too. So we kind of got a, we got a thorough history on comics, strip comics, like the dailies, like um, Prince Valiant and Nancy, um, you name it, Peanuts, like all that stuff. And I kind of carried the sensibility with me throughout my whole life. Now, like fast forward to when I was really learning how to become a quote unquote artist in a more responsible professional sense, I guess you could say, um, I kind of gave up everything I had learned and kind of got into abstraction. And that was like, I felt like that was more official, you know, and I, and I did abstraction for a very long time. Uh, my, my whole graduate uh, show thesis was all abstract work built off of process, um, geometric and organic processes. But then over the last maybe 10 years, like the sort of illustrative sense has kind of crept back into my work. And now it's even gotten to a point where I'm going back to my roots in terms of like hyper-realism, which is when I, my, old, my, my first real teacher, Bob Schultz, like kind of gave me my technical foundation, taught me. So it's been a very interesting journey, so to speak, from A to Z back to A again. I will mention uh, your work is all very beautiful, but I, I had a fun time looking at the monsters section. Yeah, that, that's I, I love that too. And, and they're big pieces too. You know, I, I love films and um, Werner Herzog, the, the German director, mm -hmm. he did um, a piece called Fitzcarraldo, a movie in the Amazon where a man tries to take a ship and pull it over. He tries to bring the opera to the Amazon, this ridiculous idea. And I was so struck by like this man doing everything in his power to make this sort of ridiculous dream come true. And I guess some of these monster drawings are, I was really thinking about that. Like I want to make these huge monster drawings that are kind of ridiculous, but they're gigantic. I'm going to spend like 1500 hours on them or something like that for no reason other than just because I can, I guess. So yeah, so that's kind of where the monster section kind of came from. But yeah, I love them as well. And they kind of go back to my roots of comics and 
just fun for me, yeah. Yeah. In your artist statement, you say, my work is always rooted in an exploration of minutiae, mark-making, and a deep yearning for the sublime, oblivion, and escapism. Has the pandemic changed this aspect of your work and process? Yeah, it, yes and no. To answer the yes part, I think my work has become a lot more immediate. Like when I'm when I work in abstraction, non-objectivity process, I, I feel like it feels nowadays a little. It feels a little stiff. It does not feel timely, and. I don't mean that in the sense to kind of knock abstraction right now, but there's so much going on in our world that just focusing on those particular themes, it just feels like a little bit of a cop-out for me. And I had to kind of get away from that. And I think that's where things like storytelling, dealing with my thought process, dealing with how I'm reflecting on the world at large, how the world's affecting me, all those things are much more important now, I feel like. But the no part would be the exploration of minutiae, mark making, uh, because I still like, in terms of my actual process of creating, it has not changed. I'm st it's still pencil on paper. I'm not terribly interested in like jumping into painting or doing anything like that. You know, like I have a particular modality of getting out my ideas. It's like a language and I have no desire to change the language. You know, I have no, no desire to speak German now after kind of mastering French my whole life or something, you know, like I, I'll just keep speaking French, but I'll try to say different things. You know, I guess that's a good metaphor. So I, you know, regarding the change, it's really now about it's, it's instead of being so internally focused, like a lot of my work was before or big ideas, it's now more about what's happening in the world and what is, my job as an artist in the world. On your site, I saw like some political figures, masks. Yeah. Are those recent? Very recent. Um, I literally finished those maybe um, a couple of weeks before the election. And um, I, I've always been really politically minded. I come from a, a politically minded family. Um, you know, my, my parents were both teachers. They were union people. We've always, you know, coming from Madison, obviously, you know, you guys are in a similar sort of community with, um, you know, much more liberal areas. So um, that was kind of the environment I grew up in. But I always kept them at arm's length from my art. My art was really about like, that was my little domain. But, it, you know, it's, it's just with everything that's been happening, not just over this past year since the pandemic started and everything over the you know, really going back to the, over the past maybe 10 years, especially after Trump was elected in 16, it's been hard to keep those walls up of separating my artistic practice from life, so to speak. So this whole series with these masks came from just one, was wanting to try to raise a little bit of money. Um, I, was, I was like, how can I do my part? I don't have any money. <laughs> you know, I'm an artist and a teacher. So you know, I was like, okay, well, maybe I can buy these and then I can donate some of the money to something else. And that was one of the main reasons for making them was trying to kind of find ways that I can have my art do something a little bit more than just be a means of personal expression. 
you know, I felt like I, I have these tools where I can draw realistically. So, and I always felt like drawing realistically was kind of, for me, was like kind of like a magic trick, but I didn't really have a, a reason for doing it. But now I have a reason, it feels like, to go back to realism. And um, I'm kind of just embracing that right now. When I first look at them, I'm like, they almost look like ceramic, like masks. I don't know. They're really good. Like Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And um, I had to make that fly really big on Pence's head. And of course I had to make him really sleepy because, you know, he's got like, you know, like he's got, I, he's always like got that sleepy look. Like when he closes his eyes, like he's like a little, a little angel cherub drifting <laughs> off to sleep, you know? Yeah. And your, yeah, your McConnell is really accurate too. Does it, it's like, yeah, you got every, yeah. You know, and men of a certain age, they really develop these, I, I hate to say it, but it was kind of fun drawing those chins and those necks. Um, something strangely satisfying. I and mean, that's just a thing that happens to people as they get older, but there's something telling about that. You know, I don't want to knock anyone for anything like that's happening with our body physically, especially because, you know, you know, we, we all have to deal with these things. But for these men, it just kind of like there's this sort of like inherit I don't know if like ugliness is really the word for it I don't know what it is but there's a something about them all of these men of power that they all seem to kind of have and it somehow comes out in their necks and their chins I I can't describe it it's really weird but it's just a thing that I that I noticed when I was drawing these so I don't know whatever that's worth that's very strange observation but yeah. Now I'm going to not, not see that. I know, like, especially with like, you know, like the, the weird shapes, like McConnell's neck and, and uh bar and Trump, especially it's just, it's just strange. Yeah. Yeah. I'm it's glad a- you got that fly on there too. Oh yeah. Yeah. That was like, I mean, I, I drew that the next day after the debate, I was like, I, this is my next drawing. I have to do it. You know? And now people are telling me I have to do the Rudy Giuliani with the makeup dripping. Someone was saying, you got to draw that one next. And I'm like, oh, I don't know if I can bring myself to, to draw these characters anymore. Yeah, like how much do you want to look at that? Well, you know, like. And, and now I'm actually, um, I'm actually doing something more positive now with at least, you know, if you happen to be more of a left-leaning person, I'm uh, doing a portrait of Stacey Abrams and another of John Lewis and the goal is again to try to raise some money for the runoff elections in Georgia. Mm-hmm. I'm basically just going to give them away if people show me a screenshot that they donated to one of those campaigns. I'll send it in the mail for like the shipping costs. And uh, so I'm almost done with the Stacey Abrams right now, and then I'll finish the John Lewis in the next couple of days to you know huge personas from Georgia that are, are so you- concerned about voters and voter rights. I saw your Stacey Abrams one and it was really great. It, it's yeah, I'm almost done with the hair and that's been the hardest part because the, the photograph I chose was um, the hair was not quite in focus. Uh, mm-hmm. Everything else was great. It was exactly what I was looking for, but the hair was a little bit soft. So mm-hmm. I've been having to kind of like invent it a little bit. So it's been a little tricky, but um, I'm almost there with it. So that's cool. So do artists have a specific role in society? I mean, you kind of touched a little on maybe some possible roles, but. As much as I want to kind of take the moral high ground and say, yes, uh, I think I'm going to say absolutely not. I don't think artists have 
any role to anyone except to themselves. But I do think that being a part of society, we have a specific role that is unrelated to art. And I think that if you happen to be an artist, you do have a unique opportunity to do something within society that maybe other people don't. Now, whether or not you choose to do that is, I think, completely a personal decision. Like, I, I would never judge an artist to, like, even in these times right now, just to continue working abstractly and not make any political decisions. I think that's okay, because there's other ways you can be political um, that could have nothing to do with your art. But for me personally, um, I felt like it, I had to bridge that gap. And I had to try to have my art be more meaningful. Um, what I'm, I'm also working on another, I'm just starting it up. It's a, it's a really big project. It's, and it's pretty ambitious, but at the high school I work at, um, uh, it's predominantly um, white community, pretty affluent. Um, but after talking with a lot of the students, I have noticed there's a lot of issues with um, kind of like under the current issues with like, you know, race and racism in the school and the community at large. So I'm doing what I'm kind of calling, it's the portrait project right now where, and I'm putting together a team. I have a bunch of teachers at the school already, and I'm gonna draw the portraits of about 50 to 75 students um, at the school, particularly students of color, and then interview them and try to find out, you know, what are their thoughts about living within this community who are they as people and give them a voice and a platform and um, have this exhibition be available on a downloadable app. So as you're looking at the physical exhibition of these portraits, you can hear their stories or their interviews or their thoughts. So this is a really big project that I'm working on right now. And it's logistically very, very big. There's a lot of people involved in it already. And I'm kind of, it, it's, it's my project, but I'm like trying to organize this whole thing. And it's, it's pretty tricky, but um, it's been a big shift, like uh, almost a 180 from being completely hyper-focused on internal artwork to now I'm getting into almost large collaborative community-based projects, so to speak. So it's been a 180 over this past year, truly. And will that be available just within your school or is that going to be like a... No, I have, I have, um, I've written up a large proposal for it. And um, I initially want to show it at the school and within the community. But my, my goal is to have it be a traveling exhibition. And then my ultimate goal is to find ways where the exhibition can um, make money for a fund that could be potentially for scholarships at either the high school or, or something within the community to kind of like affect some sort of positive change. You know, I just feel like we're going through this hyper-partisan era. And I think that we need to really try to, and I'm looking at it as my role of an artist is like, how can we find ways to maybe bridge those gaps and, and create new sorts of dialogue? And I'm like, well, I have this ability to draw well. And I think I could use that as a means of bringing people into one place. And then once they're there, if they're focused on this one thing, then conversations can start occurring and maybe actual small changes can happen on a micro level, which could eventually branch off into something bigger. That's, that's my, you know, rose colored glasses, optimistic 
hot take on what could happen with this. So, <laughs> yeah. And, and, uh, as part of your team, uh, I'm sure you probably have colleagues of color giving you advice as well. Right? Absolutely. I've been, I've been talking to, um, you know, I've been running this by lots of people, not just within my school, but lots of friends of mine. And I'm just trying to get opinions from everyone. Like, how is this, how is this project sound to you? Is this sound good? How could you improve it? And, uh, I'm, it's been really great bouncing it off of people and like fine tuning it and getting different ideas because that's not something I normally do. My artistic process is usually very private. It's just me with a pencil on paper at four o'clock in the morning with some music playing, you know, and now I'm in this whole realm where things are out in the open and it's, it's a little scary. It's kind of terrifying because it changes everything up and it exposes me a little bit more, but I, it's very energizing and exciting at the same time. And the opportunity for growth for everyone involved is there. And that's pretty awesome. I think. Nice. It'll be fun to see where it goes. Yeah. It's, it's going to be a lot of work because I mean, these portraits, you know, they, 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 they take a while. I can knock them out pretty quick. You know, they, they each one probably takes like, you know, 10 to 15 hours. And, and usually on a good day, I can finish one in a day and a day and a half, but that's on top of everything else I'm doing. So it's going to be a lot of work uh, for me, but I like these sorts of challenges going back to the whole idea of Fitzgeraldo and these sort of epic moments. I, I like challenging myself like physically like that. Uh, like, can I do this? You know, like, can I draw for 48 hours straight? You know, like I, I get a rush out of that. So that's kind of like the personal part of it that I can't really let go of. Yeah. That's a nice uh, challenge to give yourself too. Yeah. I love how honest you are in your artist statement when you say, I guess what I really want is to delve into my subconscious more, tell stories through symbols, create unholy one-sided packs with artists that I love from the past and shamelessly rip them off, create characters who function as stand-ins. I want to dig deeper, find more, use more skills, develop new imagery. With that in mind, what are you most excited about right now? I think it's really all those things. It's it's funny because, you know, I remember when I wrote that paragraph, I was putting my artist state, I was developing my a new website about, about a month ago. And my artist statement felt like something that you would, you know, write in grad school. And, you know, Kendra, you remember this, like, you know, you're supposed to like write a certain way and it's supposed to, you use those big words, those hundred dollar words and all that. And then I'm like, but you, you, you miss the point sometimes. So I just kind of let myself just kind of write that and speak from the heart a little bit. And I guess this comes down to it's honesty. And I think that's why my work is changing right now. I'm really trying to explore like who I am what I care about, what is uh, important to me, my values, and then also like, how do I exist within society? You know, how am I viewed within society as the artist? What, what is my role to other people? You know, it's like, I, I, I think I have know what my role is with society, but how do other people expect me to be? And how do I sort of engage that so again, it's kind of coming out of my shell a little bit and like um, it, it essentially just going deeper in terms of like what my role is and then also going deeper into myself at the same time. So it's the simultaneous effect of going deeper internally, like I was talking about there, like 
going into my subconscious more, being more honest, but then also stretching externally in terms of talking with more people, communicating, building bridges, finding out how are people perceiving me and how am I perceiving them and how does that affect my work and how does my work affect them? So it's this really, really interesting give and take that I don't know where it's going to lead to or what's going to happen, but it's very exciting because it's, it's very fresh and very new and Mm -hmm. um for me and for me i should say yeah yeah that reminds me of this piece that i saw on your website actually um i think it's the title of it that kind of grabbed my attention right away um called portrait of the artist and the family in the time of a plague yeah do you want to talk about that one at all yeah absolutely um that was um that piece was the um I think it was the fourth or fifth one that I did in this series and when the pandemic really took hold and like this, my style was really starting to develop in terms of the imagery I was using and I think that that's always very important when you're starting a new series is establishing what your imagery is especially if you're kind of like not necessarily telling a cohesive story but you want everything to exist as a group so I was feeling really confident in how I was drawing. And, and I realized I, I hadn't drawn a picture of my family in a long time. And then all this stuff that was going on, it was, it was interesting because in the first three or four drawings, it was just me or this, this stand-in version of me. And I'm like, well, what happens if I bring other people into the equation? How does that affect the drawing? And then all of a sudden it's like, I have me, my daughters and my wife. And it's, it's basically all of us tied up together inside our home these little COVID virus balls in the background, um, me working on my drawing, my wife and I are both like frantic and sweating, looking at each other surprised, watching our girls, holding on to them, trying to keep us ever intact. It was e exhausting and exasperating as all of us remember during those first few months of you know shelter in place or whatever version mm -hmm. people had to deal with. But you know, me still like hyper fixated on my drawings because that's what I was doing during that time. I was just drawing, 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 you know, nonstop. I was just like completely energized um, by this, like the shift and how we live. Um, but the interesting thing about this drawing was this was the one that I think really stretched me outside of myself where all of a sudden, like now I have new people in the drawing and I'm thinking about other things in my work besides just myself and my own internal process. And that was a very interesting change. That's I think when I first allowed myself to be like, okay, I can start thinking about stuff like, you know, race, uh, racism, systematic uh, racism in the US, police brutality, all these things that were going on. I can start addressing these things in my artwork now, you know, through the use of bringing different people and different artists from the past into my work. And from there, it's just been a total paradigm shift. And I think what, what I can do with my work. The more I look at this piece, the more I love it. But I'm also curious, who specifically are you referencing in this piece? In what terms? Well, you, you mentioned other artists. So this one's not really referencing anyone. This was kind okay. of before I got to that point. Okay. This was still like me, um, I think, just using old comic book motifs like that I had been working with for a while, like the sort of like the hollowed out eyes, mm 
the bulging eyes, almost like, you know, Rat Fink or mm-hmm. old 1930s cartoons. Um, the Mickey Mouse glove. The, yeah, the Mickey Mouse, uh, a lot of the old, uh, like Betty Boop and all of that stuff. Um, so I feel like I really have the style that I wanted established here. But it was at this point when conceptually, I, I kind of allowed myself to I was like, it's okay to go into some new areas. And the next pieces afterwards, I was talking about Bergman, um, Ingmar Bergman in a piece after this one. Then I started referencing Gertrude Abercrombie, John Wilde, Philip Guston, um, lots of different artists. Um, then even Fred Hampton, um, who the, the Black Panther, who was assassinated in Chicago in 68. And uh, even the Tulsa riots, a riot, so to speak, the Tulsa massacre, um, it, all these things started coming in when, when everything around George Floyd started happening at the summer. So it just really opened up, I think, possibilities of like letting more ideas into the work and more people into the work, both mm-hmm. dead and alive, from art history and from life, you know. Yeah, it reminds me of that that uh, the sign, the silence is violence thing, you know. And so it's like almost like you found your voice in a way. Yeah, and I think it had been a long time coming. Like you know, on Facebook, I have a I have a couple of friends um, who I followed for a while, and both of them have been posting for for years now, and and I've been just like following them, watching them learning from them, learning from their posts. And it's been just like this accumulation. And I think like when everything happened this summer, um, it was kind of like, okay, now it's, it's okay to like take that last step and just like let this stuff start coming out of my artwork a lot more. I know we should probably move on, but one last thing about this drawing. I, I love the smiles because they're like, that's how I feel. Like things are so nuts. You just got to like laugh at it. No, it's it's almost like this manic, like if I just keep smiling, everything's gonna be okay, you know. Like, and 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 I think in March and April and May, that was kind of how everybody was living their life on some level, you know. I, yeah. I think especially if you had kids, because it was like you're trying to hide everything from them that's going on and make everything seem normal, and they're like, "Why can't we go to the park?" And you're like oh, don't worry, everything is great, you know, like, those smiles, darn virus, you know, (laughs) I was gonna say those smiles to me look like they're saying, it's fine, everything's fine. (laughs) Yeah, it's like that, it's like that, uh, you know, the dog burning in hell, you know, where he's got a cup of coffee, like, everything's fine, you know, that's essentially what it was, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I noticed on your website that you did, like, a blog post that you recently updated your website. Yes, And, um, that is something that I want to do because I've, I have writing is another big passion of mine. If I hadn't been a visual artist, I would have been a writer. My, my older brother, um, he's a fantastic, really gifted writer. Um, and, and I, and I love to write. I post on social media all the time. Um, and that's kind of how I get my writing out these days, um, but I've had so much going on and, um, you know, I'm teaching at lots, multiple institutions and trying to get all these drawings done. And obviously with two kids and, you know, I haven't had the time to put into it, but that is something that I want to really do because 
I feel like writing is just as important to me as, as the drawing almost. So yeah, more to come. <laughs> to yeah, be I, was, continued. I was curious about that. If it's something you also like to do. So that's nice. Absolutely. I mean, I, when I was in college, um, my, when I was at, um, Madison area technical college, when I was long story short, I got, I got kicked off of campus at UW green Bay, my freshman year for, um, things. And, uh, and then I just bummed around at MATC for like three years before going to UW Madison for my undergrad. And I just took creative writing classes and drawing classes. That was it. Took maybe like a sociology philosophy class in there, but that was it. I just, I wrote and I drew and kind of lived the life a little bit. It wasn't that bad. I was a delivery driver. It was great. It was like the best way to spend your early twenties. Ashley delivered with UPS for a while. Did you like delivering? I actually did. You know what's funny is I like, loved it too. Yeah. There's this like snack delivery place that I recently ordered from and I'm like, I want to deliver snacks. So like <laughs> I might start delivering snacks on the side. <laughs> I loved it. I felt like my own boss. Like, you know, it was like I delivered pizzas. So I would go in and it'd be like pure chaos in the store. And then all of a sudden they'd give me my three pizzas and I'd just go in my car and be like I'm just going to listen to some music and drive around town for a little while and take my time. And then you get tip money. It was like, you know, if you're in your like late teens and early twenties, I can't think of a better job. Just driving around, delivering pies. It's pretty great. Yeah. It's not bad. Not bad Mm -hmm. at all. Kendra, you're missing out. I know. Seriously, Kendra. I know. I never did that. I, I was a busser at the ringside. Oh, I, I bust too for a while. I was, I was in the service industry. I did it all in the service industry for a long time. Oh man. Busting's tough. Yeah. It was real tough. I left there like super tired every night and yeah, it beats you up. Like, and they expect you to run when you're a busser. Like, you know, they really do. Yeah. This is a fancy restaurant, but I got tipped pretty well. You're right though. Those tip jobs are the best, you know? And yeah, I, I, I miss being in the industry a little bit. I spent like 18 years in the service industry. Uh, I did it all server, bartender, barista, busser, uh, line cook, you name it. I did it all. I loved it. It was fun. Hard work though. Yes. Very hard work. Mm -hmm. By the way, did you want to talk about your curating at all? Is this like a new, is this like a new thing or? Well, I think it, so this was fun and I really enjoyed it. Um, it's something I've always wanted to do. And I think it just happened because, um, well, just to give a little background, like um, Kendra and I, we were part of this like thing we called the art club where it was just a informal crit group. And we would meet and talk about each other's work. We would look at two artists work every other week. Um, we did that all summer and it was great, great fun. And um, I guess since I kind of got the ball rolling on it, um, Frank just asked me to curate it. Frank Juarez, who runs uh, the Frank Juarez Gallery and uh, was part of our group. So yeah, it was, it was a ton of fun, like just getting people's work and looking at it and making like, oh, I like this one. I like this one. Which one should I include? And it, it was just a lot of fun. Um, and it was easy. I mean, part, our crit group was, as you know, Kendra, like very strong, like the work in it from every artist was really good. So yeah, it was not, yeah. it was not hard. You know, I can imagine some instances of curating could be a little difficult based mm-hmm. off of the quality of work, but this was like every piece I, that was submitted by you guys was a knockout. So it was just like, 
oh, I'm going to take uh, this masterpiece over this masterpiece. It was really easy. So, <laughs> Well, and, you know, even if I wasn't in it, I would I would probably like just love the show. First of all, because just like the work is really strong. It's a really diverse group, like with yeah, it's really interesting, but like range of work. And then um, also the online platform that it's on is really <laughs> really cool. It's really new. I've I've never seen anything like that. It's really neat. It's funny though. It's hot. It's like it, it takes a while to get used to, like oh, yeah. like walking around. Like you could get stuck like in the wall and stuff like that. Did that, ever, did that happen to you? You got like too close to the wall. I'm like oh, yeah. I don't know how to get out. Yeah, I got stuck on some artwork a few times. It's like <laughs> it's pretty funny. But but yeah. Uh, it yeah, and Frank did a great job of um of putting it. Frank is. A force of nature like he does so much like he's really uh he's really inspiring um it was nice meeting you and now I nice got to, to meet go, you too gotta go watch some rick and morty and oh my gosh you will not be disappointed and i'm gonna go watch some pen 15 which i have written down here so <laughs> <laughs> um i i will i don't even know maybe i'll try the the queen's gambit it's good you won't be disappointed. Yeah, it's good. And it's visually pretty cool too. A lot of, a lot of cool visual effects, like with the chess pieces up on the ceiling and stuff like that. Like uh-huh. it's cool. Mm-hmm. Nice. Awesome. Well, thank you. And um, thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah this is great. Yeah.